You're listening to Bitcoin and Markets. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is Ansel Lindner with Bitcoin and Markets. Today I'm going to do some rapid fire news. There's so much going on. Not a lot with Bitcoin, but I will cover a couple small stories from Bitcoin. Uh, but a lot of it's going on with Ethereum and Steemit and uh, some other stuff. So I will go through those. First up is Ethereum's hard fork. Um, it's supposed to be activating or getting released about uh, next next week sometime. It's been opened up for review one week prior to when it's supposed to happen on block 1,920,000. So uh, that there, there's so many problems with this. It, it was It's a super hasty hard fork. I mean, look at, look at Bitcoin's development, right? We have a soft fork that takes a year with SegWit, but it's going to work. It's going to be damn near perfect. And uh, Ethereum is just one week, two weeks, they pop out a hard fork and it's supposed to be working. I mean, look at the last soft fork that they tried to do several weeks ago. It immediately was found out to be wrong. So not only did they back this DAO project that is faulty, and they obviously didn't review the code or they have some skewed like infallibility complex or something. Then they release a soft fork that was retarded and now they're going to go do a hard fork. I mean, there, there's a lot of problems here. Lots and lots of problems. Uh, Kraken and Bitfinex have now come out that I've seen so far and said they're going to uh, halt withdrawals one hour prior to the uh, hard fork time, whenever that is next week. And uh, there will be trading, but there will not be any withdrawals. So that's going to most likely make people withdraw early or even trade into Bitcoin and short Ethereum or at least hedge that way. And um, so I don't I don't see this being good for Ethereum's price. I'll probably end up shorting it, but I don't know yet. This is not investment advice, obviously. Um, but yeah, it, I think it's a really good opportunity because uh, Ethereum just doesn't have anything going for it anymore. I mean, the the problems are starting to come out. It's fundamentally a Turing problem. It's it's a solidity coding language problem that. Um, the more things, uh, this is my, my belief. The more things you try to put on the blockchain, the attack surface of it goes exponential. So if you try to put two things on it, you know, you're taking that up squared. If you try to put three things on it, you're cubing it. And so this, this attack surface is just growing exponentially with each thing that you put on the blockchain. And when you have a Turing complete language, you're basically putting an infinite number of things on the blockchain. So, the attack surface is infinite. Uh, I just, it, it's not looking good. Um, let's see. Also, there's a lawsuit that came out. This is the next piece of news. All this stuff will be in the show notes, by the way, so you guys can take a look at it. But um, there was a lawsuit here where a developer that is claiming that he invented Ethereum and that Vitalik actually stole the idea from him and he has some evidence right mims it's it's a coin telegraph piece it's probably in different different places but this is the one i'm going to link to in the show notes it's interesting 
And this is a problem. I mean, it's really, really hard to sue a ghost, right, Satoshi? It's really hard to um, make these type of claims and these type of attacks against Bitcoin. I mean, look what happened to Craig Wright. I mean, if you're going to make these things, you're going to have to cryptographically prove that it was you. And this this case, they're going to fight it in a human court. <laughs> they're going to take the smart contract uh, network and fight it in a human court, most likely. So uh, Ethereum is in trouble in this regard as well. Check that out. Uh, also, last thing about Ethereum, guys, if you can find this out for me, because I've I spent a half hour, 45 minutes searching for this online because I don't run a node, right, a Ethereum node. I run a Bitcoin node, but not an Ethereum node. And I'm looking for the size of the blockchain. Uh, the last thing I saw was 21 gigabytes, but I'm pretty sure that's that's old, at least a couple months old. So it could be 25 or 26, maybe even 30 gigabytes now. If you guys can figure that out for me, and if you run a node or something like that, you know, go ahead and tell me on Twitter. All right, up next is Steemit. They're the new hype crown winner. <laughs> they took over for the DAO. The DAO is dead. So all these speculators and this hype had to move somewhere, and it's moved to Steemit. Steemit, I don't think, is brand new. Like, it didn't just launch or anything. It's been around for a while, but it just got all these new, this new, these new hype people in there. A lot of, uh, it's a social network based on a cryptocurrency network, and uh, you can share these tokens back and forth with people. You, you know, when you like or when you share, you earn tokens, etc., etc. Uh, there's lots of holes. I don't, I didn't read through the entire white paper because I've heard it's really extensive, but I have looked into the monetary policy aspect. And the way the monetary policy works is the supply doubles every year, and then every 3.3 years, there's a reverse split. So anyway, like I said, there's lots of hype going on around Steemit. They have had several attacks. So there's been these, like, you know, Sybil attacks where you make lots of um, accounts and then you vote yourself up and down and you retweet or reshare your things. You give each other good rankings, ratings. Those are, that's, that's what we're talking about here. There, there's been known problems with that. There's no defense against that that people know of right now. Um, also, there's a way like something like you stake some, you stake some, uh, steam it and you can get rewards or you, uh, are responsible for handing out the certain amount of steam every day. And, um, that is been compromised by a big group of people. I think there's like maybe two or three people that own 40% of that market. So it's been kind of cornered, but the big news is that it was just hacked. And I want to read you some of this paper here. So, well, this is from steam it blog and I'll link it in the show notes, obviously. The hack has now been contained. User accounts and wallets are not at risk, and we hope to soon reactivate the Steemit website to normal order. Where have we heard that before, people? The DAO, right? Everything's under control, Stefan Tool. Any users whose accounts were compromised will be completely reimbursed. <laughs> Though only a relatively small amount of Steam was stolen, we think we... We take any form of criminal activity against our community extremely seriously. We have reported the hack to police and other cybercrime authorities, including the FBI. 
A full internal investigation is currently being conducted, and we are working on an immediate solution. What the fuck? This is crazy. So not only is it not immutable, but they go and they try to get the real-world authorities involved. This is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So yeah, $85,000 worth of Steam dollars were stolen. And this this network is under constant attack, civil attacks. Uh, it's basically a piece of crap. So people, I recommend not investing in this. Unless there's some way to short it, I would not short it. Or I would not invest in it. That's it for Steam. Alright, next up is... Let's pull my window up here. Um, let's go into some Bitcoin news. So this was a article several days ago about the Bitcoin Investment Trust. The headline is SEC Issues Cease and Desist Against Bitcoin Investment Trust. Um, quite interesting. That's Barry Silber's company. And, you know, they, they kind of had found a loophole, right? So they started as this private equity, from what I understand. They started as private equity. And after a certain period of time, I think it's about 12 months, you can start trading that private equity. And that falls under, that's acceptable under current SEC regulation. Um, that's what this, they plan to do. I mean, Barry Silber, the founder of Second Market, you know, he knows the regulations very well. So I'm sure this was legit. And unlike the Winklevoss ETF, I mean, he has friends in high places and he was able to get something going, right? He didn't do a frontal assault. He did kind of a, um, a, a flanking maneuver to try to get around these regulations. And it seemed to work very well. When the redemption, let me, let me pull up this story again. So when redemption started, I guess that's when you could start trading these shares, um, there was an issue that was in back in 2014 and there was an issue. Um, the SEC had warned them saying that there was this issue. And so a uh, second market, the owner of the Bitcoin investment trust at the time, they said, okay, we're ceasing these, this redemption program. Um, of course, then they continued to do the redemption program saying that there were, let's see, 85,000 shares, uh, traded during the restricted period and the sec found out about that and now they find them fifty four thousand dollars i don't think this is going to be a killer for the bitcoin investment trust i think there's going to be a ton of demand especially with these the winklevoss etf getting started up and, and some other stuff i mean there is going to be a ton of demand and i don't think this bitcoin investment trust is going to have much problem finding people to invest in them uh, that's so that's all for that story what's next all right some rapid fire from around traditional markets the oil market the oil rig count in the u.s it's rising at its fastest pace since december 2011 not good for oil prices uh, oil has been steady now above 45 so you know we we can see some of that um, capacity that went offline in the 20s and the 30s is going to be coming back online now. It seems like this is a good time to do it. And that, of course, will increase supply, which will decrease the price again. Okay, also business inventories. This is U.S. again. Um, 
I'll just read this here. Autos and building materials are at their highest levels of inventories relative to sales since the financial crisis, leaving overall business inventories to sales ratio hovering near cycle highs at 1.4x. A 0.2% rise in inventories, bigger than expected, matched the 0.2 rise in sales month on month. But year on year is a different picture. The sales are down 0.3% and inventories are up almost 1% with, with retailers seeing inventory surging 6.1%. So this is basically, you know, where you um, keep inventory. You're not making sales, but you have to keep producing to keep these, to keep your costs the same, hoping that you will sell more later. Um, and the, the inventories are building up in these very important markets uh, mainly autos and building materials. They're kind of like bellwether markets for the entire economy. So this does not look good. Business inventories are nearing cycle highs and signaling another crisis. Next story, Jill Sign, she's the presumptive Green Party presidential nominee. She promises to grant NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden, whom many describe as an American hero, not just a full pardon, but a promotion to the upper echelons of government should she win the White House. Basically, she's promising that she'll pardon him and give him a cabinet position, which is pretty huge. I like it. I like, I like all that. I think it's a pretty good marketing ploy for her, and I hope it works out. All right, a pretty major shift of gears here, and then we'll get back to markets with Japan and gold. All right, I just want to say a quick note here about this Islamic terror that we've seen going on around the world. Um, we've had a uh, outbreak of domestic violence in the United States, and we had the Nice uh, terror attacks. Um, you know, it, it's a tragedy. But don't let the media and the governments take your attention away from the actual source of the problem, and that is the destroyed Middle East. Uh, that is all I have to say about that. Uh, it's it's a touchy subject for a lot of people, so I don't want to say too much, but uh, I unfortunately was in the military and did spend some time in the Middle East, and so uh, just don't forget why they want to hurt us, and don't fall prey, or don't let the mainstream media tell you how to think about these things, and th okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. The last story I have here is... This is from Peter Schiff's website, and I know a lot of people, I mean, he's popular, uh, especially among gold bugs, and, and a lot of Bitcoiners came from being gold bugs, like myself. He is polarizing, though, and that's fine. I, I think he's right. 95% of the time, he's right. And um, anyway, so he has a piece here on his blog that I will link, obviously. Japanese turning to gold as their economy spirals into central bank oblivion. He's basically saying that now they're, they're, uh, Bernanke's going over there for a visit over to Japan. They're talking about helicopter money. Their, their currency is depreciate or appreciating very quickly and they don't want that. They want inflation, right? They want just the opposite. Their economy is sinking. All the economic numbers out of Japan are looking horrible. There's just not much good going on in Japan right now. And oh, and also, the emperor has uh, talked about abdicating. 
The first one in 400 years to do that. Is he going to fall on his own sword? I don't know. What happened to a ritual suicide over there? But, uh, okay, so they, they seem to be plunging into gold. Um, let me just read a few paragraphs here. Uh, I won't go too much into it, but according to a Bloomberg report, gold sales at Tanaka Holdings Co. surged 60% in June. Tetsushi uh, Kudo was one of the recent customers at Japan's largest bullion dealer. Dealer, He bought a one-ounce gold coin and said he plans to buy more. Quote, I want to buy gold every year as a birthday present for my daughter. She will thank me for the gift when she grows up because gold will have value whenever she go or wherever she goes. The yen, the surging yen has caught the attention of many economic analysts, but some say it's going up for the reason, uh, it isn't going up for the reasons you might think. It has more to do with pessimism about global growth than it does Japanese confidence in their own economy. It's the exact same reason more and more Japanese are turning to gold, according to Itzo Tashima, an investment advisor and former regional manager of the Global Gold Council in Tokyo. Quote, for investors, buying gold is similar to casting a no-confidence vote. Gold is the unprintable currency, unlike the yen. The yen's appreciation, in spite of the adoption of the negative rate policy, has kindled skepticism about the policy's benefits. It's also led to investors seeking to protect their assets in case Abenomics fails. Negative, okay, this is a shift again. Negative interest rates have pressured bond yields lower and lower around the world. That's leading to a surge in gold investing, and the bond yield problem is particularly acute in Japan, according to Bloomberg. Okay, and he goes on and on and on about how gold is surging, gold interest is surging in Japan for the same reasons that Bitcoin interest is surging in, in Japan. They go hand in hand. But I take I take issue with this uh, Itzo Tashima quote in here where he says gold is the unprintable currency. Yes, it's unprintable, but it's it's mineable. Bitcoin is 21 million. That's the most it will ever have. Gold is a, basically an infinite supply because what do we do? Find it in an asteroid, find it in oceans, right? Uh Luck Dragon, one of my listeners, he, he pointed out that there's more gold in the oceans right now dissolved than all the above ground stock. So yeah, there's gold everywhere. It's basically infinite supply. But with Bitcoin, it's 21 million. And J the Japanese, the surge in Bitcoin volume in Japan is way higher than the volume of gold trade in Japan. Way, way higher. So when Peter Schiff says these people are running to gold for these reasons, we know that they're running to Bitcoin for the same reasons, and they're running more quickly to gold or to Bitcoin. They are a industrialized society. They don't trade like local Bitcoin trade because someone pointed out a chart about local Bitcoins in, in Japan is not taking off. Well, they're connected. There's friendly regulation now for exchanges over there. And I, I don't I don't see people buying in on local bitcoins. They they don't have this deep-seated distrust of their government, right? They have a trust for their government. And they're connected or you know, they to the internet and stuff. 
I don't see local Bitcoins being a thing, but obviously the exchanges are. And this is just going to keep growing and growing in Japan. That might be the tipping point. This surge in gold, it's going to be a surge in Bitcoin the same way. So watch, keep watching that. I mean, I talk about Japan almost every time. That'll do it for this episode, folks. Thanks for joining me. I'm Ansel Lindner. This is Bitcoin and Markets. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so at BitcoinandMarkets.com. In the show notes, I have a QR code and a Bitcoin address. Uh, Every little bit helps. Thank you for the people that have already donated. It was a wild ride today around Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Steemit, World Markets, Gold. Hope hope you guys join me next time. Please like, subscribe, and share. Peace. You've been listening to Bitcoin and Markets. Please like, subscribe, and we'll see you next time.